Hello, everyone, and welcome back to James Cameron's Titanic Scene by Scene. I'm Brittany Butler, and today we have our good old special guest, Liz Osmond, back with us. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Because, unfortunately, Ethan has been feeling pretty sick, and he's getting over something that we hope is not coronavirus. He got some of the symptoms, but we're, we're hoping it's not, but hopefully he's coming out the other side right now mm-hmm. uh but just so we you know could get back to doing this and recording and having something to post for you guys during this time you know figured why don't i just link up with liz again and we can cover this scene because this is a scene where they're running and <laughs> last time you were on the podcast you said yeah have me come back on for any scene where they're running and this is sort <laughs> of like the main running scene aside from you jump i jump when she jumps back on the ship. Um, this is kind of my favorite scene. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you wrote that on Instagram, and I was like, okay, I knew you liked this scene, but I was not aware it was your favorite scene. Just because it's so fun. It is. It is. It's like the only time in the film where they're having just like pure fun. It's, yeah, I've always loved this scene. So before we get into it, one of these emails we got recently is also in relation to the coronavirus pandemic happening right now currently in the world so it's really nice email we got from martina so i just want to read this the subject is titanic in the days of coronavirus dear Brittany and ethan this is a very strange period we're living in isn't it i'm martina and i come from a city in northern italy which has unfortunately been hit very hard by the coronavirus I am safe, but I am in quarantine now at my home, and I was so lucky to casually find your podcast, which I listen to every day and keeps me much company in this long, eternal present. It goes without saying that I am a huge Titanic fan, and I was so happy to discover that I'm not alone. Brittany, your enthusiasm is overwhelming. I was born in 1998, so I wasn't even there when the movie came out, but I saw it once on TV when I was eight, and since then, I couldn't get enough. I've seen the movie a thousand times, but as you guys always say, I discovered there's still so much to know. I trust you are both well and safe, and I hope that even in these days, you will be able to go on with the special podcast and help us feel less alone. Thank you for what you guys have been doing, and please stay home and take care. Hope this nightmare is going to end soon. Best wishes to you both, Martina. Thank you for writing, Martina, and I hope that you are staying safe in Italy. Insane. To receive an email like that, like, during this time, I was like, oh my god, like, we gotta get back to it. Like, there are yeah. people, like, in Italy who are listening. And um, Do you know what quarantining reminds me of, though, And on that note, is it reminds me of, like, being a teenager and having nowhere to go and not really a friend group to turn to mm. and, like, spending all of your time as a preteen or even a young kid just, like, soaking in anything Titanic. Yeah. And, like, that being your solace. Mm-hmm. And, like, watching the DVD commentary and just, like, not getting enough. I get it. Like, obviously, back then, I wasn't under a quarantine. But, yeah. But no, oh, my gosh. I, I, I understand. And yeah. also... It, it was it was super um, kind of heavy, you know? She's like, yeah, I'm in, no- like, Italy right now. <laughs> Which, yeah. like, not only just someone listening in another country, first of all, but a, a country where, you know... Stuff is real. Like she yeah. said, they've been hit very hard um, by this virus right now and that our podcast is keeping her company in some way it's just it was just a really like eye-opening sort of email to get like I said you know we were kind of taking a little bit of a break trying to figure out how we were going to record during this time because 
Ethan has a two-year-old son and he's home all the time now and so there's gonna be like noise interference and stuff and I was just telling you that our upstairs neighbors in my house are now home all the time and they have two kids so they're running around a lot so to any of the listeners right now if you hear any banging or noises in the background just know that it's uh, due to the current uh, crisis and situation going on right now but yes thank you for that email Martina it was lovely to get and I hope that you're safe I hope everyone listening right now is safe uh, staying home and doing what we can to help the situation so moving into the scene this is the chase I think we ended right as it cut back to 1912 from old Rose saying sorry to disappoint you Mr. Bodine Jack was very professional so you know he's giving her his little sketchbook and she kisses him and yeah so that's sort of where we left off where he signs and dates the drawing so I think uh there's like this little blurb well, it's like a bit from an interview with James Cameron. I guess I'll read this now to preface it, because the main part of the scene is them running and all that that we'll get into. Right. Uh, but yeah, so there's this interview, a text written interview at the beginning of the screenplay book. And there's just this one bit that I really liked, and I feel like it's relevant to this scene. James Cameron, he's basically talking about how he wrote Jack and Rose and this whole decision to put them into the movie and everything and whoever this person is interviewing him I don't know if they say who his full name is Randall Frakes (laughs) so he's RF uh, (laughs) asking these questions in the book Um, so that guy says that Titanic is a period piece about young lovers who can be exuberant without looking too foolish and then James Cameron says I really think it's the fact that you know that death and doom are coming. You know what is going to happen to the ship. There's this creeping dread that informs every moment, no matter how frivolous or innocent. Jack and Rose walking around, talking endlessly about sweet nothings, works partly because we know that possibly one of them will die. Well, we know it's not Rose. <laughs> but sometimes you're not, you're, sometimes you don't even think about that sometimes. Yeah. We know that possibly one of them will die. And certainly that everything around them will be destroyed. So there's a morbid fascination as you're drinking in the visuals and seeing all the other people. You're going, oh, that's nice. That's great. But it's all going to sink. There's a strange kind of cognitive dissonance that's going on in every moment. And that allows the script to be more melodramatic than most contemporary films can get away with, uh, which is true. And then the interviewer says... The younger audience seems to have responded to an honest characterization of teenage emotions. And then James Cameron says, I was talking to people about writing Titanic and some said that a teenage love story can't be powerful because teenager emotions aren't real. They're just puppy love or crushes. They're not developed or informed by the adult experience. And then the interviewer says, I think someone said that to Shakespeare when he was writing Romeo and Juliet. Fortunately, he ignored them. Uh... (laughs) And then Cameron says, yeah, he, Shakespeare, knew teenage emotions are the most intense you'll ever have in your life. Subsequently, they're always watered down and contaminated by experience, by knowing that relationships usually end. There's a point at which you will find out too much about the other person to keep loving them so unconditionally, or that emotions can change 
that love is not eternal. There's a feeling that when you're 16 or 17, that you're on the verge of a discovery unlike anything in the history of the world, even though most people on the planet have already passed that marker. But it's happening to you, so it fills your universe. You only feel things that intensely when you're that age. So I think kids get Titanic innately. The movie will resonate for adults if they're at all honest with themselves and were lucky enough to feel that deeply when they were young. The movie will at least make them long for the intensity of those emotions, if nothing else. And then you have the minority who either have never felt things so intensely or denied that intensity and put their feelings into a denial box and have since developed a jaded view of the world that 20% or so is not going to appreciate the film or they might be able to appreciate it for other reasons. Yeah, that was a long thing to read. Um, But I felt like it was really relevant because, I mean, I feel like we say similar things a lot but I think in relation to the scene we're going to talk about. That made me sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in a really like uh, nostalgic way. Oh, God, everything they said, I was like, no. <laughs> it's true, though, right? It's like, yeah. it's, like, it's like you feel super strongly when you're young. That's something mm-hmm. I, I'll always have a connection to because I'm such a nostalgic person anyway. Mm-hmm. I have very fond memories of my childhood and growing up and just that youthfulness. And I think we talked about this before, how you said you know you're not a kid anymore, but you still feel like you're a kid. Yeah. If you're still able to connect to that part of you, then you probably won't be annoyed or anything like that by the Jack and Rose storyline. You'll be able to at least, like, find some sort of... um, Connection to it. Connection or purity sort of nice thing in it. But that's why, like, I can understand maybe if you have lost that connection, why it might seem... I don't know, dumb or whatever, pointless. I don't yeah. know. But the the thing it said about um being at that age and feeling like you're gonna be on a, the big adventure. Mm-hmm. Even before I was seventeen, I felt like whenever you do find like a young love, it's gonna feel like the greatest thing in the world, even if you're doing nothing. The person that I'm still with today, we met at 17, mm. and it felt like that. Like, I remember feeling like, oh, God, this is like an adventure, and we could do no wrong. And walking around the neighborhood at four in the morning, like, that was the most exciting thing in the world. Yeah. How does James Cameron know? <laughs> How does James Cameron know? I know. <laughs> Honestly. I know, but that's so cool. I didn't realize you and Jarrett met when you were 17. That's yeah, like... Little, little babies. That's some rose... To whip you cater realness. It is. <laughs> yeah, and you guys are still together. Getting married, right? Yep. And well, we'll see. It's yeah, supposed know, to be yeah. this summer. We'll see. But I think so much of the foundation is based off of those teenage feelings. Like obviously the the feelings are still there, but I think that's why we still feel like kids is because it was so powerful at that age. Mm-hmm. Like the the feelings he's writing about, like there is this weird magic being that age mm-hmm. and starting a relationship with someone. You you sort of have the, this frame of reference now that you started a relationship with someone when you were seventeen and you're still with them. There are a lot of people who say like, oh, Jack and Rose wouldn't have lasted because they're they're too young. It's just like a teenage fling. And I mean, who's to say? Maybe they wouldn't have. Who knows? Yeah, it just makes you think about you know, what would have happened if, you know, this didn't happen. But of course, that's a conversation for later on in the movie. Uh, I'd like to think they stay together and 
I feel like some something would have happened in the twenties. Yeah. Jack getting drafted into something, you know. Yeah. Some something worse would have happened eventually. Probably. I would like to believe that they would have made it to New York. Yeah. Got off the ship together and at least made it that far. <laughs> you know, but yeah. they didn't they didn't even get that, you know, so we'll never know. But yeah, but that is I I really loved that bit in that interview because it is it's so real and I feel like that's a perfect lead-in for the chase it's an adventure almost in it you know what I mean in and of itself in this scene it seems like they're actually going on an adventure like a physical running around adventure not so much of the like spiritual and uh, internal adventure what are you what is even wrong with me I, what am I even saying just the land corona land makes our brains turn into mush oh man it's been a while since we've recorded that's why shake it out wake our brains up yeah, so it starts where we left off uh, with Rose writing a note. We don't know what she's writing yet. And she says to Jack, will you put this back in the safe for me? And hands him the box with the necklace in it. And he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's just so like, yep, sure. Uh, and he puts it away. Her asking that, first of all, right there is a pretty big sign of trust. <laughs> yeah. She's not thinking wait a minute, like, this third-class person could steal this, or, you know, and then there's also money in the safe, too. And I love the way they make a point to show Jack. Just look at it. He's like, wow, look at all that money. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? That's it. It never even crossed my mind thinking that he would be capable of stealing it. I also trusted him. Yeah. Like, I didn't even think about, oh, yeah, let the the homeless penniless man go near the safe like i didn't think about it he's cute it's fine we trust him. <laughs> yep he's cute it, it, it absolves him of everything yeah no but yeah but i do love the way they just make a point to show him any other person probably would have uh, pocketed a dollar or two or something yeah but uh but he didn't so it cuts to the uh smoking room with uh cal and Lovejoy. So Lovejoy tells Cal, none of the stewards have seen her. And Cal says, this is absurd. It's a ship. There's only so many places she could be. (laughs) Billy Sane's delivery. (laughs) I love it, though. I love it, yeah. And he's like, Lovejoy, find her. And, like, raises one eyebrow up all, like, super intense. And I saw someone say, really? Like, you didn't think to check her suite first? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe, (laughs) oh, no, maybe he didn't have a key. I don't know. Well, because then he gets in there later. Yeah. Maybe it was unlocked. I don't know. Lovejoy is just fooling around. He didn't actually check. (laughs) He just asked a few different people, hey, have you seen this girl? Yeah, no, okay. Maybe he just doesn't think that she would be in her room. Yeah. It's always the last place you think of looking, right? Yeah, maybe he thought maybe she's out at tea or dinner or somewhere else. Yeah, because it's kind of funny how we were saying, like, in the drawing that they were just in that room. Anybody could come back at any moment. She's just lying there (laughs) while he draws her, you know? Like, Lovejoy could have come looking for her right then. Right, but I will say as a teenager... You don't think about stuff like that as much. While you're watching the movie or like as them in their universe? 
I just remember being a kid and like doing things you're not supposed to be doing in rooms where you're not supposed to be in. You think about it vaguely. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't. You're just too much in the moment of what's happening. Right. And and then like the the danger of someone catching you is probably exciting to her. Yeah. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we see, she like they start running away laughing. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. I always like to. Re- Think of them in the mind of, like, they are still young kids. Like, Jack's supposed to be, like, 20, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. See, in the commentary, James said he was 19 at one point. I know he goes back and forth a lot. Yeah. But I was just like, still, 20 is kind of like a teenage mind to me. I mean, your brain isn't fully formed until you're 25 or something, so. Yeah. They're they're ballsy, but they kind of don't care. Yeah. I like that idea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It cuts from Cal saying, love joy, find her, to... A really gorgeous night shot of the Titanic sailing. And this is, I think this is the first night shot. Yeah, so this is the first, you know, Titanic sailing shot that we see since the flying scene. Yeah. The last time we saw it was at that beautiful sunset. Uh, And then, of course, the fade to the wreck. But now we're seeing it sailing in the pitch blackness. It just gives me this feeling every time I watch it. Where I'm like, ah, right. We're watching Titanic. And yeah. then the reflections of the lights on the water remind yes. you just how black everything is. Mm-hmm. Gosh. And that's the thing, too. Some people point out that it almost seems like every light is always on. Like, every single light in the entire ship is on in this movie at all times because they were lighting the ship, you know, to make it look good like that in all the shots. Yeah. That's true. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. Like, they didn't... They hadn't reached capacity of how many people... Uh, they could have on the ship so there would have been lots of lights probably would have been out but I don't even think about that yeah but in the movie there's like just every light is on constantly but it's like that way in most paintings you see too right you know it's like mm-hmm. it's just like this idealized version of of the ship just sailing fully lit just looking pretty if it were to look realistic there'd be patches of darkness on the ship yeah you know you wouldn't see the outline of the ship very well just because everything's not lit up right it would look like a really bad christmas tree oh no the office let's light it let's count it down like rockefeller center okay <laughs> not great oh wait no no hang on i'm pulling it up right now just to double check there are a few it looks like there are maybe a few portholes down the bottom that aren't on and maybe a few here and there that aren't on yeah i guess it makes more sense for the bottom the third class passengers not to have their lights on they're not yeah but i mean it is it's still pretty well lit uh Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, there are other things. Wow, James Cameron. Yeah, there are other things, more pressing things uh, yeah. that he may, might have gotten wrong than that. Um, cuts to the bridge with second officer Light Toller and Captain Smith. In the illustrated screenplay, it says, according to Light Toller's testimony, this conversation took place nearly word for word. And I was like... Mm, is that true? And just, you know, to cross-check this. So I looked in Titanic and Illustrated History, and pretty much, yeah, what it says here is that around 8.55 p.m., Captain Smith arrived on the bridge, remarking to Second Officer Light Toller about how cold it was. And they're like, yes, very cold. And then they talked about how there's not much wind. And they said, no, it's a flat calm, as a matter of fact. And then it says, in his 24 years as a mariner, Light Toller had never seen so calm a sea, which is basically the line they gave him with, you know, I don't think I've ever seen such a flat calm or whatever. 
no mention of a mill pond though in the actual <laughs> writing but i heard someone else say that maybe that had been said um so did light taller survive yeah see i can't remember who survived or didn't when it comes yeah to, like, he was the, the one he was the one on the overturned um lifeboat the one that they were all mm-hmm. they all had to sit on upside down it goes on to say that Lightoller remarked to the captain that it was a pity that there was no breeze while they were going through the ice region. They continued to discuss the weather, agreeing on how clear the night was. Eventually, they began to discuss what time they would be reaching the ice and how they would be likely to detect it. In view of the many stars, Lightoller predicted that there would be a great deal of reflected light from any icebergs. Uh, And Smith indicated that if the weather became just the slightest bit hazy, that they would have to slow down. And then upon leaving the bridge at 9.20, uh, Smith left Lightoller with the instruction, if in the slightest degree doubtful, let me know. And it's interesting because that was a line that was originally in the screenplay, but they didn't include it. It says, you know, everything that happens, uh, don't think I've ever seen such a flat calm. Yes, like a mill pond, not a breath of wind. And then it'll make the bergs harder to see with no breaking water at the base. And then Smith, mm, well, I'm off. Maintain speed and heading Mr. Lightoller. Then there was another line from Smith that says, and wake me, of course, if anything becomes in the slightest degree doubtful. But they didn't include that line, which would have made it more historically accurate, I guess, if they included it. Yeah, it's weird. But it's so funny. (laughs) As a kid, you ever notice like when you watch something as a kid, like your brain isn't aware of bigger words yet and stuff like that so you hear things in your own weird little kid way and then as you grow up like you just still remember it as those nonsense words that you thought they were saying when you were a kid like you know what I mean but you kind of get the gist of what they're saying yeah in this scene when I was a kid I always thought Captain Smith was saying "Mm, well I'm off maintain speed and head with the light on. <laughs> I know it's like they say they also say things in such a like a blase straight way that yeah. you can't really hear like what exactly they're saying either. Yep. I was like maintain speed and head with the light on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's what I thought he was saying too. Yeah, but it's maintain speed and heading with the light taller. A light holder. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like it's like because his his voice sort of drops off when he says light holder, and I heard light on. <laughs> I was when I was a kid, I wasn't paying atten- that close attention to like all the names of the officers and everything. So for the longest time, even after I knew who light holder was, I wouldn't. I wasn't putting it together in my head. I just kept hearing yeah. the light on. Well, I'm off. Maintain speed on heading, Mister Light Holder. But yeah. <laughs> weird it is weird i also remember being really like weirded out every time they said love joy yeah because it's two positive words right associated with a bad person so it always made me feel weird whenever they called him love joy because i was like i don't get it he's supposed to he sounds like a nice person (laughs) based off his name but he's not his name is full of love and joy (laughs) yeah so that was was really confusing to me as a kid of like but i don't get it he has such a nice name oh my gosh nice man was that actually or or are you saying that would be confusing to you it was confusing oh wow yeah i don't mind it i just always thought it was interesting that's kind of funny i never even thought about that see there's always something to think about never thought of that 
then it cuts back to uh, Rose, <laughs> Rose and Cal's suite. And I think it's funny. I didn't think about this before, but I thought about it now. Uh, it cuts to Jack on their um, promenade, you know, inner promenade deck. And he's like hanging out the window, <laughs> just in the wind of the ship, just looking out at nothingness. And then he turns and, you know, comes back into the suite, like, you know, blowing, you know, into his hands like he's so cold. He's like, oh, man, it's getting cold out. I'm like, then why were you hanging out of the window? Yeah. <laughs> And the of the Atlantic Ocean sticking your face out of a window. If it's that freezing, I'm like, I'm like, how long was he there? Like, how long was he hanging out of this window? Like, I feel like he was probably just checking the weather real quick, but it's just kind of funny. It just makes you think, yeah, I was just here for this long, you know, just hanging out the window. Yeah, so it was apparently, um, it doesn't say this in the book, uh, but I've heard this said multiple times. That it was an ad lib by Leo, like coming back into the room and saying, "Oh, it's getting cold." And then you look nice when Rose comes out dressed in the swim dress, which is now the dress we're going to see her in for the rest of the movie. But yeah, that you look nice and everything was apparently an ad lib. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I love it too because I'm just like, really, oh, there's something so pure about it, and it adds to that genuine quality between Jack and Rose. Subtle notes like that are never written in films if mm. you think about it like there's always more dramatic build-up to these moments where the character is like da, 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 da. you know like it's supposed to be like wow <laughs> but just to have like a really quick clip of like oh you look nice mm-hmm. like i never see that in movies yeah it's nice when people notice it and leave it in so that was leo's ad lib yeah i guess yeah i guess that was kate's first time walking out in the dress and he was like you look nice <laughs> I know, isn't that sweet? People, pay more attention to these kinds of details, though. Honestly, <laughs> honestly. That dress, too. Like, Love you it. Just had to get, you just had to put on the cold. First off, yeah, gorgeous. You, but you had to put on the most gorgeous. I mean, the coldest outfit that you own. No boning structure to the gown at all. Oh, no I layers. Know. It's just, like, two pieces of chiffon. Yep. But that's an interesting thing, though. I feel like a common uh, note that's brought up is how Rose's dresses throughout the film are sort of an extension of her character development. Looser and more flowy. Yeah, how at this point now, this is, you know, the final dress she's going to be in. It's a, it's the most lightweight. It's the most naked, I guess, of sorts. You could say, you know, maybe, you know, when, when the dress gets wet, it's like just bam, like she's just soaked down mm-hmm. to the bone, basically. Um, and she won't be held down by her... Th- her gown Mm -hmm. when she gets in the water yeah yeah it's a very free-flowing dress which we see in this scene yeah i think it's i think it's something people don't really think about but it's a lot of like subconscious cues that you're being given uh through costuming uh Mm -hmm. which is you know interesting like if you contrast it with her boarding outfit which is like the most stuffy multi-layered tight suit thing with you know this massive hat and you know I watched like a thing on YouTube that was breaking down some of the outfits and stuff in Titanic and they were saying everything that Rose probably would have had on underneath that and it's just like a layer upon layer upon layer of stuff that she would have had to been wearing. This is also probably the only outfit she wears where she actually looks like a teenager. Right because it because it is it's like the most plain I guess out of everything mm. so. Like the the empire cut also makes her just seem more child not childlike but like youthful mm-hmm. while, while all the other ones just made her look more regal and adult mm-hmm. this one I can actually be like yeah no that's a teenager 
in the 1900, early 1900s. I always liked this dress. I was like, I would wear that dress because they have really nice replica cosplay dresses that cost like $200 mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> to this day, I still would buy one, honestly. I'd wear that somewhere. It's we a- should. Titanic prom. I know. It's kind of funny. I feel like on its own, people might not think about it, but I feel like so many people have seen the imagery that subconsciously they would recognize the dress. I remember from my senior prom, I reached out to a person who made a Titanic replica gown, the one that she tries to jump off the ship Mm -hmm. in with all the beads. That was her job is making replica gowns from movies. And she was like, well, with the beads, it'll cost (laughs) $4,000. And then without the beads, it'll cost $200. (laughs) And I was like, okay, never mind. So then I just ended up wearing the green atonement gown that Keira Knightley wears. Oh my god. Like a replica. I was like, I'll just wear that instead. <laughs> That's funny. 4000 or 200 Wow. Yeah. So just to give a reverence of how expensive the beadwork and how expensive it made them. Also, and how heavy it made her. Oh yeah. Think about it. Mm-hmm. So why it makes more sense that she's wearing the more flowy free gown at mm-hmm. the end. And she's not going to be wearing a beaded dress, an intricate beaded dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so Jack says you look nice and then we hear a knock on the door and it's Lovejoy and he's like Miss Rose are you in here? Rose grabs his hand and they go to run away and he says you know my drawings as they run away and and it just made me think I was like so did he not know that Rose took his whole sketchbook and put it in the safe? Oh yeah. Was it do we know if it is just all of his drawings or just the one? It's, I think it's all of his drawings because when they cut back to the suite when Cal's saying, I want the entire room photographed, like the guy is looking at all of Jack's drawings and he's like, I think they're oh, very yeah. good, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was. So really, Rose is the thief here. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I was like, huh. Because she didn't pay for those, did she? And when they're running away, they're not past the safe yet. When he says my drawings, he's like looking back and like the safe, they haven't even passed the safe yet. I don't know, maybe he left some laying out or something or... Because it doesn't look like there are too many drawings when Cal opens the book. Like, her drawing is just bam, it's just like right there. I never even thought about that. I just started thinking about this stuff now. And that's literally all he has, so he's probably like, crap. Exactly. My drawings, dang. (laughs) So they're running through the little maze that is Rose's suite and uh, Lovejoy's going from room to room just as they close the door. Like, they're just making it out of each room in the suite, barely. Uh, and then they make it out into the hallway, and they're kind of giggly about it. Like, ha we made it. <laughs> and then he sees them. You hear the music start to pick up a little bit. The Celtic music that they bring back from when Jack and Fabrizio oh, yeah. were running on Southampton Dock, which I love. This is like the official running music in Titanic, like the official like gleefully running Celtic music. And so they start bringing that back a little bit. We feel it building and then eventually Rose just says, come on, like let's go or whatever and grabs his hand and they start running and the music picks up. I always thought this though, I'm like, Lovejoy, bro, she clearly does not want to be caught by you. You know what I mean? It's like she clearly wants nothing to do. Like, just let it go. (laughs) Yeah, what do you think is going to happen when you catch them? Forcibly take her back to wherever Cal is or something? Like, you know what I mean? I think that's why they're having so much fun. They know that, what are you going to do? Like, tattle on us? (laughs) So when I catch you, 
you're going to go back to your room and I'm going to send the popper on his way. Send the popper on his way, yep. I love that they don't care. I think that's why I love it so much. They just don't care. Like, that nothing could be going wrong for them in this moment of just running away from Lovejoy. Which is, like, most of the moments with them, right? Up until... Yeah. Up until the, the iceberg strikes, the flying scene, like, nothing could touch that moment. This moment yeah. of them running, nothing can touch this moment. They're in the car, it's like, nothing can touch this moment. And then uh, when they're on the deck and she's like, I'm going to get off the ship with you when it docks, nothing can touch this moment where she's making this decision. And then... Right. And then... There you go. Mm-hmm. They yeah. the iceberg. Like, but. in this universe, within their realm of possibility, obviously a ship sinking is not really on their minds quite yet. No. But to Rose, the worst thing that could happen is upsetting Cal and having Lovejoy chase her. Mm-hmm. So running away from him makes them feel so alive. We defeated the worst thing that could possibly happen to us. Yep. Little rebels, they think, right? They're just like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh. So I made the note that the places that we see them running, it's pretty much the same exact route that we'll see Rose going through during the sinking to try to find Jack. She runs like the exact same way to the lifts or the elevators, which apparently they called them elevators. They didn't call them lifts on the Titanic. Oh, really? That was another um, flub, I think, actually. I mean, it might have just been the elevator operator guy. Like he, he had, it, like where wherever he's from, like he might have called it the lifts. Yeah, it says it says elevators, but then it says that the Titanic had four lift attendants. So I'm like, okay, is it? What is it? <laughs> so we see her, you know, running basically the same route to the elevators, and then straight down to that same deck that they get off at. So it's just interesting. It's nice to see those same areas untouched from any sort of bit of tragedy you know it's just it's just the ship right now and we're getting to experience the ship uh with jack and rose right now and and it's funny too i'm pretty sure the geography is off a bit too like where they run it wouldn't actually lead to where they end up and stuff like that yeah they end up in some weird places real quick yes (laughs) yeah So it's interesting. So it's like, even though the geography might not be totally correct, it's still really interesting because in the world that James Cameron created, you know, with the set or whatever, he really sells it to you, regardless of whether or not like the actual layout is accurate. You know, if you went this way, if you really would have ended up here or whatever, I think on the deck, it was really accurate, but I think on like the inside, they had to do whatever they had to do. But yeah, I just, it's interesting because not once when I'm watching this movie do I ever think that's a set. Oh, that's true. I never think, oh yeah, they're on a set. Like, they're just on Titanic. Yeah. Like, I've watched the behind the scenes so many times. I know what it all looks like, but they took such care with building it. Like, whatever version of the ship (laughs) they ended up actually building... They committed to it. It's Titanic to me when I when yeah. I watch this movie, you know, so. I always forget about that, too. You've seen all the behind-the-scenes footage, especially the one where they're just in Mexico randomly, mm-hmm. you know, and you see the dirt that's surrounding the set. It doesn't matter, like, as far as I'm concerned, we're in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're on a ship in the middle of the ocean, man, yeah. Yeah, so the first place they run is to the elevators. Lovejoy is just a little bit too late. And uh, he just, I love the way he slams his hands on the door, just all (laughs) mad, like, eh. A little tantrum there for a minute from not catching them. Um, And then, of course, 
Rose gives Lovejoy the finger, which is, I don't want to say a controversial thing, but, you know, just people saying like, oh, that was so offensive to have in this movie. Really? That was the one thing that upset people? (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? You know, there was always the talk of like, oh, would she have even known what that was? How long has the finger been a thing? Turns out, crazy long time. Yes, yes. The blurb. In the screenplay, it says it was invented by the Romans over 2,000 years ago, um, and they would use it to taunt their enemies. So (laughs) it's, you know, it's not that weird for her to use it in 1912, and also for the kind of person Rose is, uh, that she would know about it. This is her her chance to use it, finally, I guess. (laughs) Just the image of the Romans just, like, using the finger to taunt people. It's, like, so funny to me. Yeah, it is kind of funny when you think about it. Oh, man. I remember the crowd uh, in the theater when I first saw Titanic when she flipped off the finger. I remember everyone being, like, excited about it. Oh, yeah. It was the perfect kickoff of like, oh, this is going to be like a really fun scene. Mm-hmm. We're getting some fun rows now. Yes. I, I think I mentioned this in like our way back in our introduction episode, but I teach high schoolers and I had one class watch most of Titanic. So these are high schoolers, freshmen and sophomores in 2019 uh, who were watching Titanic. And when it got to this scene and like Rose giving the finger and stuff like all the kids were like oh (laughs) (laughs) the kids started getting super into it and I guess it started to maybe feel I don't know a little bit more relatable and like fun for them in this moment and then later on when Rose spits at Cal and says you know I'd rather be his whore than your wife again they were like oh (laughs) like it was just (laughs) it's just funny I like that the moment's permission the audience we're allowed to be ourselves now because like it, like how jack reacts to her flipping off lovejoy yeah he laughs he's, he's like oh my like, god yeah yeah it's just like a collective sigh of, okay the audience we're part of this now we're allowed to be our relatable selves and hate these these stuffy people now yeah yeah you're right it sort of like gives us permission to like relax it's I, I was gonna say not take it too seriously but of course take it seriously once everything happens but just don't take it seriously for the next like four minutes but i think that's part of it though right because they're almost letting us let our guard down they're letting their guard down i when i was re-watching lovejoy hit the uh ele- the elevator i was thinking i wonder what everyone else was thinking like look at this crazy person hitting that ele- elevator like that in itself is still kind of weird that yeah like what are you doing this is this is white skyline property. Like, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, don't hit the elevator. But yeah, I feel like it's just like that, the, like the inside whisper to Jack and the audience of like, you can let go now. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be a little fun right now. Yeah. You know what's coming. So just be a little like, <sighs> What I meant by letting your guard down, I feel like as viewers, giving us permission to like, not take this movie like oh I'm watching a Titanic movie we got it this is a period piece it's it's all serious and yeah they allow you this moment to sort of forget that you're on the Titanic you know and you yeah and you're just going on this little adventure with Jack and Rose right now and you're sort of quote-unquote letting your guard down to the fact that you're watching a Titanic movie you know right and also a reminder that they still had fun mm-hmm. in the early 1900s yeah have you seen that uh, photo of a couple from the early 1900s? Like, of course, you know, you had to hold perfectly still for 
for camera photos. So that's why you never see people smiling or laughing is because they had to hold still. Mm-hmm. But did you see that it was like a, a four four photos together of a couple and they're not smiling in the first three, but then the last four, they can't hold their laugh anymore. So their last photo is like a blurry photo of them laughing. And it's just so jarring because you were not used to seeing people in the Edwardian era laughing. Oh, yeah. They had fun back then. We totally forgot. Are you looking it up? Yep. <laughs> I'm trying to find... I don't know what you would Google. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Yeah, they're posing and then they're sort of moving and then she's hiding her face. It's like so sweet. Burying her head into its neck. Like you forget about it. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's true because you don't, you never see, everyone just seems so cold and distant in old photos like that. Yeah. So that, I think that's another thing that I like about, you know, this movie is that we get to see, you know, this time period portrayed in in a relatable way. Like that, like, you know what I mean? I feel like that's one of the reasons why the movie remains uh, popular and popular among young people. Which is really crazy. Like, side note before I forget. There's this website called Famous Birthdays. It's pretty much mainly visited by teenagers. If you want to get a sense of what teenagers are into, just searching around on that site is very interesting. They'll have all the celebrities ranked based off of like what the kids are searching for, like who they're searching for, who they care about, what their favorite movies are, what their favorite bands are. And let me see. So Titanic in the Famous Birthdays database or whatever, this was insane to me. Because as I said, this site, the most searched people are YouTubers and like (laughs) people that just teenagers are into today. Mm -hmm. And yet... If you go to the Titanic profile for the movie, it is the number one romance movie on this website. It's the number one PG-13 movie. What? And it's the number nine movie, period, on the whole site. That's crazy. Which is crazy. And so if you're looking at the top ten movies, it's number one is 2017's It, and then... There's The Kissing Booth, Harry Potter, like the first Harry Potter, uh, two of the Disney Descendants movies, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, and Titanic. <laughs> Almost all of those movies deal with teenage adventures, though. Yes, it's Isn't just it, interesting it's interesting, thing? though, mm-hmm. that like this 22, 23-year-old movie is charting on this site, like among teenagers. And for it to be the number one PG-13 movie... Like, that's insane. On the PG-13 movies list, it's number one, Titanic. Number two, Avengers Endgame. Number three, Mean Girls. Number four, that Harry Styles fanfic movie that's like Fifty Shades of Grey for teenagers or something. What? Uh, (laughs) It's called After. I don't recommend it. Uh, And then (laughs) number five is Twilight. Naturally. Six is Black Panther and into things like the Hunger Games and all this other stuff. But I'm just like, really? So still, even on that list of like all those movies, Titanic is number one? Like, it just doesn't make... Like, it's just... It's retro now, isn't that weird? Yeah, but but it's not just that. It's like... The story. The story. It's a, it's a historical fiction period piece 
uh, you know, romance movie thing uh, that is still somehow managing to be number one and like, yeah. in, you know, and, and connecting with younger people. I think it's that juxtaposition of things that feel wrong but so right of like these two teenagers breaking the rules running around in a place they shouldn't be breaking the rules and running around in. <laughs> and then of course leo's romeo and juliet is also charting on there so i think it might be a leo thing as well it might be that hair it's just like that <laughs> 90s hair you can't get rid of it no leo's the number one 45 year old <laughs> on famous birthdays Wow. And he's the number five movie actor, which is pretty crazy. Number one is Tom Holland. Number two is Zac Efron. And then you got Leo DiCaprio in there in the top five. All men with uh, similar hair. Yeah, good hair, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. Because you it, you gotta... Like, like, he's, like, going back to that interview with James Cameron where he said that kids will get Titanic innately. I feel like that's something that has not changed in 23 years. That fine, clean, unspoiled spot. That's a Disney quote, by the way. Well, Disney. There's a quote he said when planning a photo or, or when, it, when planning a picture or a movie or a park. We don't think of adults and we don't think of kids, but that fine, clean, unspoiled spot that maybe the world has made us forget. And I feel like that's why these teenage stories mean so much to us. Because it is that special time. It's like before, it's after being a child, before being an adult, dealing with the crap that you don't want to deal with in the world. Hmm. And that's why it's so nostalgic and powerful because it's just like, God, it is such a crazy special time. Yeah, it's this little bubble of, cause, and it's not long, right? It's just like it's, a finite yeah. amount of years that you have in this space knowing it will end but it's funny because when you're living it you're not thinking that way right like you're thinking right. you're gonna live forever and you're not even thinking about any of that you know I don't know I feel like I was so aware of it no I always was too but there's yeah. always like I mean our favorite movie is Titanic of course we were always aware of we this were, stuff we were well aware that things end <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah it was something instilled in our thoughts yeah but, but at the same time, you, you it's still difficult to fathom, though, I think, when you're that age. It's, it's um, you know, it's not something you think about actually happening to you at that particular time. Or you think that things end, but not on the magnitude that they could end. Or even when they'll end. Like, you know, yeah. like, I feel like we all think that way. Like, yeah, people die, but I won't yet. Right. Yeah, we think we're um, indestructible or whatever. We don't. Like, you know, we've seen some situations with this pandemic of people not taking it as seriously right out the gate when we probably should have. And I think it's because we're like, eh, nothing bad's going to happen. Like, nothing's going to happen to me. Nothing's going to happen. And it's like the more people who have that mentality that are together, obviously that's what's going to happen. People aren't going to listen because I feel like a lot of us probably tend to feel that way. That it's like, oh, no, nothing's going to happen. That's kind of how they were acting on the ship, right? A lot of people were downplaying it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the beginning of the... I know we're jumping out just a little bit when the passengers are like, oh, I'll have some brandy, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just like that shock of you don't want to acknowledge that this is happening to you. Mm -hmm. Or like, yeah, like Ruth, um, turn the heaters on in our room. I'd like a cup of tea when I return. It's like, uh... uh." 
Yeah, you're not going to return. It's interesting to know that that's your brain trying to normalize the situation, like trying to, it's denial as a coping coping mechanism, and it's just like... It's a lot. No, but that's, that's definitely, yeah. Anyway, we always, I feel like we, we spiral into very morbid things a lot. <laughs> You can't talk to me without expecting some more. No, no, no. Me too. I feel to like pop up. I feel like if Ethan was here, we probably wouldn't. But the two of us together now, we're just like people are going to be like, oh, I'm not listening to this. These people are so depressing. Oh gosh, we I'm, some- the, I'm the queen of inadvertently getting in a morbid like talk, I, and I don't mean to be. It's just like it happens. Yeah. No, honestly, I get like really like we were sitting here, and I'm like, wait, how did we just get into? I'm not going to die yet. <laughs> I'm like, how did we get to this conversation? It's relevant though. Yeah. Like everyone on that ship is feeling like this doesn't happen to us. I mean, you know, Jack and Rose are definitely feeling that right now, running around. That's not, that's the furthest thing from their mind. Yeah. You know? So they're running away from Lovejoy and they <laughs> go running down, and Jack knocks over that little cart that the guy has of, with the teapots and everything and he's just like oh sorry whatever and he's like oh keep going I got it I'm like that poor guy <laughs> his dishes he's fell like, this stuff you know he just ruined his night uh, Leo and Kate's laughing in this scene is so genuine it's just nice like <laughs> I always say this like when I used to run to catch the bus and I'm not in shape so I would be running 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 and then my legs turn to like jelly Mm-hmm. If you're running that fast to try to get something, and then before you know it, you're like tripping over yourself because <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just like stumble into it. Yeah. It's also just a, probably a nice exhale as an actor to just be told, run and just be silly yep. now at this point. Like, no seriousness. You can run now. Yeah. When they take a little breather, the music kind of goes down. There's only like one little bagpipe playing or something really softly. Um, (laughs) And, you know, Jack says, yeah, it seems pretty tough for a valet or whatever. Seems more like a cop. I think he was. (laughs) (laughs) And then he shows up again and go and they keep running. And I always love that part. There's something about the breather and then Lovejoy's there, turns through the little window and can see them and then them running again and the music picking right back up again always kind of gives me goosebumps. I don't know why. It's so fun. It is. And then when they're running and then they turn and they hit a dead end, Kate's screaming is so genuine where she's like, no! <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw again the deleted scene that was spliced out yep. for that moment. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad it's out, but knowing it happened, I like... If the scene obviously is like she she says you probably remember yeah, yeah, the yeah. lines mm-hmm. better than I do. Yeah, <laughs> you he, can say the lines. Yeah, she she goes into like more detail about Lovejoy and that Cal's father hired him uh, to make sure you know Cal went through the less reputable parts of town uh, and you know made it out safe with his wallet and whatever all this other stuff. I don't know, uh, but it was just like a little too long. Like it was just, like a little yeah. bit too much of a. It was almost like Rose was stopping to say a little speech or something. I know. It, it felt out of place. But then I loved how Leo picks it up of saying, like, kind of like what we're doing, huh? Yeah, I'm like, yep. Pretty tough for a val at this fellow. Seems more like a cop. I think he was. Cal's father hired him to keep his little boy out of trouble. To make sure he got back to the hotel with his wallet after his crawl through the less reputable parts of town. <laughs> Kind of like we're doing right now, huh? 
Yeah, just his little opportunity to try to be flirty mm-hmm. and try to take the initiative because so far she's the, been the one that's taking most of the initiative. <laughs> so, but then he, yeah, interrupted by Lovejoy. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that. Yeah, kind of like what we're doing here, huh? He's making that little face like, eee. <laughs> it's kind of skeevy, isn't it? It's kind of just like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, you're cute, but that's, it's a little skeevy. <laughs> no, it's so, it's so like young boyish is what I like. The way the movie's edited, you never would have known that that was in there. No. I know you look back at what, what the final cut and you're like, wow, they did a really good job ma- at making it look like that never happened. Mm-hmm. There's a picture from that deleted scene, and it's right here in this book as well. Oh, yeah. You probably know the picture. It's such a great picture. Oh, it's so sweet. Like, they you know, just look like a normal couple. Yes. So, yeah, just like, just I don't know, just like looking at this image captured here, ugh, I just start thinking about everything. I start thinking about how Jack's going to die <laughs> once yeah. again, getting morbid. Here she is wrapped up in his arms and, you know, resting on him and looking up at him, not knowing that she's not going to have a, that opportunity, you know, just a few hours from now. You know, she's not she's never going to get the chance to do that again. It's just like stopping to, like, take in moments like that, you know? Yeah. Also, that's probably the, the most traditional pose. You'll, that photo you just showed, like, you don't see it in the film and you don't see that photo pop up in like promo photos very much but that's like the most traditional pose a couple could be in and I think that's why that's so jarring for me to see because I'm used to seeing them in first off a lot of the promo photos are not happy yeah photos like that they look like they're in peril or awaiting peril or they're frozen you know or doing the jack i'm flying to see that to see them look like a normal couple is so strange yeah also like a modern couple right yeah just the way they're embracing is just super casual and it's very engagement photo-y yeah (laughs) like i could just replace that as an engagement photo so they run away from lovejoy and end up running into this room that's connected to the boilers uh which you apparently could just take a ladder right down there that's their only real option in this room to get away uh apparently a room like this did not exist or or a room like that would only have like ladders uh that went up and that would lead to like some sort of work hallway or something Mm -hmm. like that there was no uh ladders that went down into the you know furnace and boiler room from this particular place yeah, it seemed way too easy for them to get there. Yeah. I think, you know, plot device, because <laughs> James Cameron wanted them to run through the boiler room, so they're going to do it. Only, <laughs> yeah. Only way to change the atmosphere, and probably, like, the only exciting, dangerous place to have a scene like this frivolous. Yeah, in my notes, I said, even if the scene is unrealistic, they, you know, wouldn't have been able to get there the way they got there, or that, you know, they wouldn't even have been allowed at all anywhere into this area of the ship. Um, I said, it's worth it for the shots that they get here. Some of the most cinematic, beautiful shots, you know, they're getting down into the boiler room and I also like the way you know Jack helps her down grabs her from her little waist her waist is like so small just like whoop and just like helps her off the ladder and she does a little jump and uh that guy with his amazing accent what are you two doing down here you shouldn't be down here it could be dangerous oi (laughs) (laughs) 
And then he does nothing. Yeah, I know. He's just like, hey. He just shouts after them and they like, go running away. But again, like, she grabs the, like, lapel of his jacket or whatever and, like, pulls him and they start running. And the music is there again, picks up again. You know, we get that shot of them a little below the neck down running, her dress blowing in, what is it, like the wind from the furnaces and then wind from the running and I don't know. And then there's like the smoke all around. And the and the, steam. It's so yeah. pretty. What we were saying about... Rose's dresses being an extension of her character development and the fact that it's in slow-mo too like we're getting this moment to breathe and like see her just flowing and and just being free in this moment which is kind of funny too because it's like a confined sort of area but she's being Mm. really free and we see the dress being really free and it's also I think that contrast between seeing such a pretty flowing dress in a boiler room (laughs) like with coal and steam and red light and I like in the screenplay, they called, they said that the boiler room looks like you're in hell. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is weird. It's weird to think about because it's such a fun scene. Yeah. But again, like I said, it's like that putting things that don't belong and it feels so right. (laughs) I know that, of course, the stuff they have Jack saying, don't mind us, you're doing a great job, keep up the good work. (laughs) What? Which is so patronizing if you think about it. Honestly, that's what it said. <laughs> like, they're they're doing a really hard work, Jack. But then again, like, a teenage boy or a 20-year-old boy would say something like that. So. But I know he's not being rude. He's he just... doesn't even know. Like, we don't know what actually goes into your running the ship. And so it's just funny to think that he's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're doing a great job. Whatever it is that you're actually doing down here. I don't know what you guys are doing, but it's looking good. I think you might talk about the little deleted clip of them. Yes. In the, okay. Yes. So. Which is, I, I wish they left in so badly. Really? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So, Why don't you like it? So Okay. So there's a deleted scene here where Jack and Rose stop running before they make it to the cargo hold and Jack sort of stops her a little bit, like tells her, you know, stop running. And they just kind of stand there, kind of just knowingly and get closer. And then they just start like making out basically like hardcore. Making out so hard that he starts kissing her neck and it looks like they're just about to just do it right there. Yeah, honestly, honestly. Yeah. They do like the lip bite thing going on and you, okay. Which is what teenagers do. Yes. <laughs> but at the same time, thinking of the film, this is how, what I, before I even read this in the screenplay, this is what I thought. I thought that it just would have been a little too much going into the love scene. It's gratuitous. We get that big passionate kiss in the car. And it just it just felt like it would just be a little too much. It's like it's like okay, like we we get it. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need it as an audience, but from a realistic standpoint, it made more sense to me. Yeah. Because especially these are stages for Rose, maybe even Jack, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But these are stages for Rose where she needs to take step to step to step to feel that like liberation. Mm-hmm. That's how it starts for people that age. It starts with kissing and then it's goes into making out in cars and also the only time they'd ever kissed before then was flying and in, in, in the flying scene yeah so it's just kind of like the uh 
lighting the match for the the car scene basically for me mm. which we don't need it it is gr- gratuitous it is just like well it's just teenagers making out hardcore yes like <laughs> yes but it is a really beautiful shot oh, it with is. them disappearing yeah. in the steam mm-hmm. i just i was just looking at that and i was like god it's so beautiful yeah and also whoa there yeah it is the car scene you kind of forget oh yeah jack is a teenage boy with hormones because rose is the one who takes the lead but in the boiler room you see oh he's the one taking the lead here that was another thing like in the in like the reason why they got rid of it it says the scene of jack kissing rose in the boiler room was shot but deleted instead cameron decided to save that beat for scene 114 which is the cargo hold where a deeper kiss would happen and then james cameron said without that kiss the first passionate kiss with rose is on the bow now it's her turn it shows that she's taking control of her destiny by investing in the relationship. I wanted that second meaningful kiss to happen in the car where they end up making love for the first time because Jack basically initiated the first kiss on the bow. Yeah. And so then if you had Jack initiating a second kiss right. and then she does the third time, yeah. it just balances it out. Like, oh, he just did this and now she's going to do this. It was the first kiss and now it's the first time. Like, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I guess just as a fan of their love story, I love it. Yeah. But yeah. As far as the storyline goes, it it is unneeded and it is whoa. Yeah, that's a that's a kiss scene. Yeah. Um, I, I I also think that maybe parents would have been even more outraged. They would have been like, you had to have hardcore making out. Like, <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> this accent. I know. I'm sorry. I realize that my like jokey accent is like. I don't know if it's New York or Boston. You tell me. Yeah, I don't know if it's Boston. Um, It's not. (laughs) Close. I just looked up the deleted scene on uh, YouTube, and one of the top comments says, that kiss was hot. And I mean, literally. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because they're in the boiler. (laughs) I can't. But I totally get why it was removed. At least we have it, so. You can enjoy it from YouTube. It exists, you know. From a photographer's standpoint, I'm just like, oh my god, I would die to have a shot like that. Oh yeah, no, totally. So gorgeous. I might just recreate it just because I feel like it, honestly. That's pretty much the end of the scene. So they go running, and then it's like you know that sound it does that. Like I have like everything in my head. So it's like the music, and then is the noise. That's the noise it makes when Jack turns the knob to open the cargo hold just little details i feel like everyone constantly forgets of like notice these little details filmmakers put in to remind you where you are mm-hmm. and you don't remember or notice them the that's the end of it it's a short scene it is yeah but that's where i was gonna cut it for today because for anyone listening we've been talking for an hour and 42 minutes i don't know how this happens it's like the shortest scene ever and we still talked for so long there's a lot you can cut out i know oh yeah yeah, yeah. there's a lot i can cut out but uh oh yeah there was apparently no way into the cargo hold from the boiler room either i guess or something like that oh yeah and i said oh well cameron sells it I told you, whatever geography he made up for the Titanic in his world, I, I'm I'm buying it. Every minute of the movie, I'm buying it. I'm not thinking, oh, yeah, there'd be no way to get to this place from here. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. The boiler room would lead right into the cargo hold. Right. Just tell me the story. It's fine. Yeah, and in my notes, 
I had written about the kiss and I said there was another short deleted kiss scene it was steamy pun intended (laughs) 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 so stupid Ah. oh but I think the reason why I do like it is because Jack because obviously they took it out because it was it was just really like whoa but also because Jack taking the initiative but I like to think he probably thought this is our our only chance Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, he didn't know there was going to be a cargo place nearby. Mm. But on the note of Titanic popping up everywhere, do you want to tell us, I can tell the story of what happened? Oh, yeah, there's, like, two stories now within the 24 hours since this happened. Yeah, so the other day we were trying to schedule what day and time we wanted to record. Yeah, so Liz, you were texting me, and we were like, oh, yeah, great, like, let's confirm this time. Okay, cool. Literally, right as we confirmed the time, I looked at the timestamp on the text. It was 10.01 that I said, okay. And then Titanic started playing on VH1 at like 10 or whatever, whatever time it must have been. And then by 10.01, the music had started and the shot of the opening came on. And I was like, that is insane. Yeah. As soon as... We were like, okay, cool, it's on. I hear the the opening music sound, and I'm like, is quarantine getting to me that hard <laughs> that I just like hear the music? But the TV had been playing VH1 right beforehand, and just immediately started playing Titanic, and I was like, it knows Titanic knows. It was very weird. It was so creepy. Not even a minute. It was literally the second I was like, okay, cool. Yep. I have the timestamp. Yeah. And then it just started playing on the TV. Literally is everywhere. And for it to pop up, that moment was insanity. It was. And then the next morning. Yep. And then this morning, before we were, you know, getting ready to record, my cousin, Shannon, texted me, or didn't text me, she tagged me on Facebook in a little viral post going around of some nurses doing a little Titanic parody, uh, trying to, you know, make light during the pandemic, you know, just trying to keep spirits up. And they were doing a little Titanic parody of a little bed moving and like one of the nurses is in the front of the bed doing the I'm flying and all the other nurses are like rowing the bed like a rowboat or something. (laughs) And, And they have the My Heart Will Go On playing in the background. And my cousin's a nurse, so she tagged me in it and said, our worlds collide. And I was like, this is so weird. It's crazy. It's everywhere. And then also, yeah, a big viral video that went around uh, during the pandemic early on was in Italy. A guy went out on his balcony and started playing My Heart Will Go On on the piano. And everyone in all the neighboring apartments came out on their balconies and listened to him play and then a guy next door whipped out his saxophone and started playing along with him and I'm like what and it's Titanic and it's my heart will go on and that went viral and that made me cry yeah it's everywhere and then there were also things I saw uh some viral videos of these two violinists who were in an empty uh paper product aisle in a store and they have on (laughs) their life vests and they're playing near my god to thee uh in the empty toilet paper paper towel aisle which is the song the band played as titanic sank and i'm just like this is it's crazy it's everywhere and uh last week on drag race the uh the runway theme was frozen and one of the drag queens came out as one of the uh frozen 
uh, third class passengers on the Titanic. Oh my! With God. icicles on their face. <laughs> I was like, too soon. Yeah. Too soon to make that joke. God, but that. But see, there it is, though. There's that too. And then just uh, two weeks ago or so, I try to post most of the references I find on our Tumblr, but it's difficult. Like I'll see the moment and I'll say, oh, I got to post that. And then I forget. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh no, the moment's passed. But yeah, there was an episode of American Idol where they did a full on thing. Like Katy Perry like got up, they were on like a boat or something. And she got up to like a railing on one of it, put the arms outstretched. American Idol took the extra step and edited in My Heart Will Go On music. They made it, they, they added the widescreen bars to make it look like a movie and they edited in oh everything. And, and then all the, like the two other judges were singing along with her and it was just so over the top. And then they were like, we're at the wrong place. We need to be on the bow. And it's funny because everyone is assuming that you know exactly what they're referencing. Like they oh, did yeah. not mention Titanic. Like they did not say the name, you know, the word Titanic. They're just arms outstretched, cueing this song. And we're all just supposed to know. We're all, we're all just supposed to know what this is. And we do. Just so part of life. Yeah. yeah. How can we not? Yeah. It really does pop up all of the time Titanic and the film Mm -hmm. just constantly popping up and then of course yes last um I think it was two nights ago you know Reddit reminding the anniversary of when Titanic set sail Mm -hmm. I know because speaking of that today the day we are recording this because who knows how long it will take me to edit and when this will actually be up uh so we're getting very close to the 108th anniversary of the Titanic sinking and not only that it is also the one year anniversary of this podcast uh which is crazy I didn't even realize I mean I did realize that we had started it in April uh which you know obviously was very fitting our second episode was April 20th so we're like right in the middle right now yeah so one year of doing this which is kind of crazy because (laughs) It feels like much shorter and also it's kind of crazy to me to think that, wait, really? We've been doing this for a year and we're still only just halfway through the movie? (laughs) But isn't when the iceberg hits, isn't that the exact halfway mark? Yes. Oh, so you might have a whole another year. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) It's crazy. That's good though. Yeah. If I didn't know you, I would still end up finding this podcast. And listening to it like I get I, I'm not just saying this because I'm I know you or because I'm talking on it I genuinely look forward to the episodes Aww. and when I was working uh when I was working yeah, I know. pandemic, <laughs> um I would have to drive two hours or more every time I'd have to go to a shoot or a wedding and like it was my highlight like I was it took me out of being a photographer out of like having a crazy schedule or having to be a business owner mm-hmm. I'm fine if you have a whole nother year. <laughs> I know because I do want to say I've been meaning to say this. You know, I feel bad sometimes about, uh, you know, our posting schedule being inconsistent. But it's mainly because me and Ethan, we started the Titanic podcast as basically our side podcast. Because our main podcast that we've been doing going on maybe two years now uh, is completely unrelated to Titanic. And it's all about the Disney Channel original series, Even Stevens, from 2000 to 2003, starring Shia LaBeouf. And 
Yeah, so we our main podcast is all about that show, and it's like a nostalgic kind of thing. We talk about all the episodes, we interview cast and crew, and it's really fun. We laugh a lot. But that's like our main one, and it tends to need more promotion because it's such a niche or a niche. I still never know how to say that word. You know, it takes a lot of uh, my time for like promoting and running the social media and making sure people know it exists and everything. Whereas this Titanic podcast, it really took off pretty quickly. And it's interesting. We thought of this as our side podcast, but now it's technically more successful than our main one. <laughs> um, because, you know, Titanic is obviously infinitely more successful than even Stevens. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's why, you know, it makes sense. Uh, but, you know, it's crazy that to think of, you know, how many people have found the podcast just organically by searching or whatever and how many people have subscribed and are are there and ready to listen to a new episode right as it drops um because like I said I'm kind of bad at doing the promo for this podcast I try uh but sometimes I forget because I'll post it and then I'll check the stats and without even promoting a new episode, we'll get like a hundred downloads and I'm like, oh my gosh, like people are, <laughs> you guys really care about the episodes we put out. You're like subscribed and right there ready to download it, I guess, which is awesome. Um, and so, so that being said, I like to think that James Cameron, when he has nothing to do, he just Googles his name. Right. Mm-hmm. And he might just find the podcast. Imagine. I like, I like to hope that he has, like, come across it. Hey, I mean, it's not out of the realm. I mean, we didn't think that any of the cast or crew on our other podcast would ever find it, but cast members have and crew members have written to us asking if they could come on our podcast. Really? Oh, my God. That's incredible. So it's, it's crazy. You never know. But, yeah, so, I mean, I feel like that might be everything but yeah I mean thank you guys again yeah the one year anniversary so thank you guys so much for listening over the last year and again apologize for the upload schedule being so inconsistent and all over the place that's probably why it's taken a year to do this uh is because we're in the middle of scheduling two different podcasts uh to record Ethan lives in LA I live in Boston and then you know, just things happen, you know, this pandemic happening right now, you know, is a thing that's happening and, you know, causes, you know, bumps in the road, causes all of us to reset, figure out what we're doing, you know, things happen. And so uh, that's why that is the case sometimes. But uh, we try to make sure that whenever we do upload, it's good and worth your time, we hope. And we're, you know, we're still having a blast with it. Uh, We hope you guys have enjoyed listening and we really appreciate it. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, of course. Thank you for coming <laughs> on and and for being available. Yeah, again, giving the current crisis, you're like, yeah, it's just a day with nothing to do. So, <laughs> well, I have things to do, but it's very hard to get around. Yes, to do that. Yes, <laughs> so. yes. Every day, it just feels like one long day. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. it's almost impossible to know what day and time it is anymore it's it's crazy i'd recommend if you're stuck in quarantine there's so much titanic stuff for you to delve into right now that oh god it's an infinite black hole Mm -hmm. i remember 2005 and 2006 was like the year that i bought every dvd that i could but i hadn't like really delved into youtube since so I'm just like, God, what else could I find? There's probably like a whole new world of things I still have. Oh yeah, seen. there's probably there's a bunch of little 
featurettes on YouTube that are seldom seen, I'd say. Anyway, but seriously, thank you for having me on. Oh, of course, and thank you. We're really thankful that you were available to to come on during this time so that we can have something to record and post because it has been a while. And again, apologize for that. We apologize. I think that will just about do it for The Chase, which was the shortest scene, yet this episode will probably be one of our longer ones, maybe. If there's enough for me to cut out, then maybe not, but it's still definitely going to be way longer than it should be, (laughs) covering a scene this short. I'll try to cut down as much as I can, but still leave enough in there to be like where your good old friends uh, keeping you company during this time. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Please stay safe. Um, If you can stay home, please do so during this time in history. It's crazy as well that we're like recording this right now and gonna have it posted as like this moment in time where this was happening. Uh, But yes, please stay safe, healthy, and thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the next scene.